uh, you know, we started Matthew, and it was Jesus' uh, account of Jesus Christ King. Uh, Matthew's writing the gospel uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's writing uh, his testament as Jesus as King. And, and this is something that I, I hope and pray that you will take into consideration each and every week. I'm going to repeat myself. We have to understand that there's no other king. There's no other Lord. There's no other master that we'll ever be able to serve that will inevitably transport us from this walk of life into His presence in heaven. There's no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. Uh, you know, maybe you've got an idea. Maybe you've got a theology. Maybe you think, well, I've done it this way and I've got by with it. Well, what happens when you get caught doing something wrong? I mean, you may get by with it for 20 years. I mean, I know a lot of folks that run moonshine out of Eastern Hill up there for years and years and years. But, hey, as long as they got away with it, it was good. They made money and everybody around had spirits and, you know, they were pretty happy, wasn't it? But what happened when they got caught? I mean, you stop think about this. You may sneak out your bedroom window and, you know, meet your friends and then, and, and, you know, go sit down at the cemetery and, and, and party all night. Mom and Daddy not ever know about it. Well, what happens when Mom and Daddy finds out? See, there's so many things in life, as long as we're getting away with it, and that's human nature. As long as we're getting away with it, hey, we're all good. But praise God, when we get caught, oh, we are repentant. But we're only sorry for getting caught. We're not sorry for what we've done. And, and this is the thing that I think, maybe we're not instilling this in our children. Maybe this wasn't instilled in me as a young child. And as I grew up, when I got caught, I was, oh man, I could just lay it on. Daddy and Mama, I could just lay it on. And they was, oh, he is so sorry. I, he will never do nothing, nothing wrong again. And as soon as they turned their back, boy, I was right back out the door doing the same thing again. Why? Because I wasn't sorry for what I was doing. I was sorry for getting caught. And I think so many people, they come to church and they're sorry when the Word of God brings it to their attention. They don't realize that if they were sorry for the act against the Almighty, all-holy, all-loving God for what they do wrong, you know, because until you get fed up with the way your life is, you're not going to do nothing to change it. Amen? I mean, you stop thinking about this. How many times has it just come to a point... Or you just put your foot down and said, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. And then when you get to that point, you'll do drastic measures. You'll starve yourself. You'll get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to be at the gym to work out before you go to work, work all day, and then come back home. And, you know, there's so many drastic measures we do to, to, to try to beat our bodies to discipline ourselves. I mean, you stop and think about this, you know, how many times... Have, have, have you done all kinds of research to try to figure out how to handle a situation? I mean, you spent countless hours, you spend, I mean, you buy all these self-help fixed books, you do all these things trying to address issues in your life because you see there's a need for change. The Bible is the ultimate thing that we, and Jesus tells His disciples when, when, when He's in the garden that night and, and He's going to pray, uh, and, and, you know, temptation was part of Jesus' life from the day He was born. Till, till he hung on the cross, the, the, the enemy was tempting Jesus constantly. It, it wasn't like, you know, as soon as, we'll see right here in just a second, as soon as he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and I mean, it's an inauguration like we've never seen. 
The king has been anointing. The king has been herald. The king has, 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 has the, the public display of God's uh, acceptance, approval of His Son, His beloved Son. And just as soon as this happens, I want you to look at verse number 16 of chapter 3. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, He went straightway up out of the water. It says, And lo, the heavens opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And it says, And lighting upon Him, and a lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son. He, God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, makes a proclamation, This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right there in that point, Satan knew who he was. If he didn't know beforehand, which I know he did because he come at him in the, in the womb. When he was in his mother's belly and there wasn't a place for him to be born in Bethlehem, you can't tell me Satan wasn't trying to devise a way to stamp out Jesus before he was ever born. After he was born, that shortly after he was, he was, he was run, uh, uh, they were in fear of all the babies in that area being killed, so he was swept off into Egypt. And then he come back in, and instead of going back to Jerusalem where the rightful king should have been, he was sent down to Nazareth because Herod's son was there in, 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 in governing in that part of Jerusalem and Judea. And, and, and this is where Jesus winds up down in Galilee to fulfill God's prophecy. Y'all, there's so many things in life had to transpire to get Jesus to this point where he's down in the Jordan River. He has just been baptized by John the Baptist to identify. Y'all remember last week I preached a message that God wanted Jesus Christ to identify with you and me on a human level. He wanted you to know that He's walked in the shoes you're walking in. That He's been tempted uh, to the utmost but never gave in. That every test that came to Him, He was able, yes, it was God in flesh. He was the deity of the world in man's skin. He had the power to overcome any temptation. But he's trying to get you to realize each and every day that when temptation comes, you have the ability to withstand temptation. And by you being able to withstand the test the devil brings your ways, then you, you can prove to the people around you that you are a child of the King. That you have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. You have all the ability, the, the same. And, and what I will say, these are supernatural miracles we're fixing to go into. What Jesus was tempted here within in, in John, I mean uh, Matthew chapter four, is supernatural. There's no man on earth that could have ever withstood these temptations and survived them. That we would have failed miserably. But God wants us to understand that when we practice being Christ, what does what does being a Christian mean? It means being Christ-like. That's why we need to understand each and every day that we should learn to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves, to live godly. To, and you think about this. The children that are under your roof need to see the examples that mother and daddy sets by choosing to deny self and to live God. It says, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterwards hungry. Uh, Mark's Gospel seems to, to allude that Satan, that, that Satan tempted Jesus from the leaving of the water all the way through to when Jesus tells him to get away. Right here, Matthew's saying after 40 days he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was weak. Humanly speaking, when, when, when you've worked and, and you've tried and, and, and you're exhausted and, and you've had multiple, just, just everything is pulling you in every which direction. 
you, you know, your boss is hollering you need to do more. Your kids, i got to go here. Your wife says you need to get this done. Your mama calls. Your daddy calls. Your brothers call. Everybody's calling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And you're at your wit's end. You're, at, you're ill as a hornet. You ain't had nothing to eat. I mean, how many of them you been around when they ain't had nothing to eat? They, they, they'll, they'll bite your head off in a heartbeat. You, you think about this. These people right here, Jesus had every physical sign of fatigue that humans can have. Forty days with nothing to eat or drink. Sleepless night. And you know what? He was putting on his battle armor. This is what we don't realize is that Jesus was getting prepared for the test that was coming. Now, does, does, does the Word not instruct us in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God? Each every day. When you wake up in the morning, if, you know, it's just like, a, you know, if, if you're an electrician and you get up and, and, you, and you don't put on the, the, the full equipment and you're going out to work on the lines, these linemen that work for Alabama Fire, Cherokee Electric, or whoever else, the, the people around through here, if they don't have on all the protective equipment when they get up in the bucket trucks and they start working on these lines, what's going to happen as soon as they touch one of them lines? They'll be killed instantly. If it, I'd say that would be lucky. Because to survive through some of that stuff and, and how bad the, 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 just the harsh abuse that the current would put on their body. But you think about this. Jesus spent 40 days preparing for Satan in this We'll get to March later, okay? I'm talking about Matthew's look right here. Jesus was preparing to meet the devil in a battle. He knew he was going into a battle. Y'all, every morning when you wake up, you've got to be preparing that you're going into a battle. I mean, you stop and think about this. What is, I mean, I've got ball players in here, basketball players. What's Coach Rat? He tells y'all always be prepared. You're going into battle. When, you know, you for, for how many ever four quarters or how many ever minutes we play on the football field now? You know, you think about this. They're telling you that you've got to be prepared to give everything you got for all 60 minutes while you're out there on the field. You can't lay nothing, leave nothing behind. Give it your all. This is how we ought to be living each and every day. Why? Because everybody's dependent upon you. You don't realize that, but your, your husband is dependent upon you. Ladies, listen to me. Your children are dependent upon you. The, the lady that I'll say it again and again and again, if you go back through and you look, the, the burden, and I know it's easy for a guy to get up and go to work and earn a living and, 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 and okay. You know, pat yourself on the back for a second, guy. But you don't give birth. You don't tote that heart around inside of you beating. And when that umbilical cord is severed between you and that, that child that's born, you have a greater burden placed upon you that your heart will never get over that child's Welfare, well-being, their heartache, their, their everything about them. You know, guys, yeah, it's easy. We're, we're, we're emotional wrecks. Yes, we are. Why? Because most of us think, you know, we don't have feelings or we don't show them. But I need you to understand this right here for just a second, y'all. Everybody's in a battle in their own way. And just because I'm not battling the same battle you are don't mean yours is more important than mine. But so many times when we look around, Jesus is trying to get us to understand right here. Nobody would have ever known this story. Why? Matthew wasn't there. Mark wasn't there. John wasn't there. Luke wasn't there. None of the apostles was Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit was with him and led him up. Jesus gave us an intimate insight to the battles that he faced when nobody was around. And there's so many of us today that face battles when there's nobody around, but we never share that battle with anybody and we continually fight this battle over and over and over again. That's why we have so many people walking around that has... That, 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 how can I say... Mental uh, issues, is that 
acceptable to say, I mean, how do I say it without being ugly? I mean, we fight in battles and we're driving ourselves crazy because we're not willing to lean on nobody. God says, if you'll draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. God says you need to draw strength from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Strengthen one another. Lift each other up in prayers. Provoke one another to do good works. These are the things that God is calling on us to do. I want you to understand these three things. The devil wants you to doubt who you are in God. The devil wants you to doubt what God's plan for your life is. And God and, and the devil wants you to be have divided loyalties. Now there's three things I want you to understand right there. You need to write these down. The devil wants you to doubt who you are. What's the first thing he said in, 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 when he come up out of the water and the Holy Spirit come down upon him? What did God say about Jesus? My beloved son. What's the first thing that Satan asked Jesus? It says, And when he tempted came and said, said unto him, If thou be who? The very thing God told him he was, Satan come to and attacked. How many times when, when, when you get in an argument with your spouse, the first thing the spouse tries to do is belittle you? Hey, this is a safe environment. You can talk to me, okay? We ain't going to hold no... But you think about this. When I'm on the defense, I want to break down my spouse. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm human, y'all. You know, I want her to feel bad instead of me feeling bad about what I've done. I mean, the first thing is, and everybody in here is guilty of it, when you do something wrong and you get caught at it, you're going to make somebody else feel guilty for what you've done wrong. And you're going to, make, you're going to justify your actions. Jesus Christ did not justify His actions right here, y'all. He, he withstood Satan, and he come out victorious. It says, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. What was Jesus needing right there in that time? What did the Bible say right before this happened? What? For 40 days, he was in the wilderness, and he had not eaten. He was hungry. He was hungry. But he answered and said unto him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus Christ could have took it upon Himself right here. Satan says, if you're the Son of God. Well, Jack, if you're a Christian. I mean, that, that, that's how Satan comes at me. Well, if, you, if you're really a Christian, why do you do it? Why did you say that? You think about all these things. Satan's always after us, trying to make us doubt who we are. And what we're doing. But Jesus says, and would it have been wrong for him to turn these breads into these stones into bread? No. There's nothing wrong with somebody eating food. Jesus had the power, but you know what it was? Jesus says, if it was God's will for me to live, I'm going to live. You can sit here and feed me a steak, baked potato, roll, salad, sweet tea. You can feed me, and all of a sudden God says, it's his time to go home, and guess what he's going to do? I'm going home. There is nothing in this world that can sustain my life except God's will for me to be alive. It don't matter how deep of a hole I go into. And that's what Satan was trying to tell Jesus. You think about this. You, he said you're the, his beloved son. Why are you hungry? He fed them a bunch of miserable Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. He provided manna for them to eat each and every day. And here you are hungry and he ain't taking care of you. How, how are you truly the son of God? Does he really love you like you think he loves you? Satan's always trying to get me and you to doubt what we're doing for him. But yes, he wants us to look at what we can succeed and do in ourselves. That's what the next thing's going to be. Says then the devil, 
taketh him up unto the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. And here this uh, Herod's palace, I guess it was, or Pontius Pilate's one, they, just huge. You walk out to a, a, a you know, most beautiful view. They said it's probably near to some 400 foot from where the balcony was down to the, 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 the marketplace underneath there. And it says you could just see for miles and miles. And he, he, he brings him up here and says, look, you jump off here. If you won't use your power to do a miracle, let's put God to the test. If you're truly God's son and you're His beloved child, let's test Him. Let's test God. How many of y'all test God every day? Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to run off and get in this mess and I'm going to depend on God to get me out of this mess. If you had stayed out of the mess again with, you would have to be calling on God. You should not ever, there was only one place in the Bible a fleece was put out. True? Bible teach us to do put fleeces out. Oh, if it's God's will, He's going to make this cheer green and the rest of them be blue. No, it's not. The devil can turn that cheer blue just as easy as God can. Why? Because He's got power in this world. He is the prince of the power of this world. He has the authority right now. Satan has authority in this dominion that he can perform miracles, signs, and wonders. And that's why you get so many people seeking miracles, signs, and wonders. And all of a sudden, we've got a good miracle, sign, and wonder service last week. Well, when you come in this week, you're expecting the singing team to do more. You're expecting the preacher to do more. And you can't get enough. It's a high that you'll get to the point you can't get to that next high. And all of a sudden, my, 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 my relationship with God ain't what it used to be. Why? Because I've got to a point that I, I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. I'm an addict and I can't get that high. I can't get high enough. I can't get drunk enough. I, I can't, you know, sleep with enough people. I can't lie to them. I can't cheat. I can't steal enough. I can't, I'm, 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 I've got an addiction that I cannot feel anymore. And that is something that God did not want us to have. Satan says, if... Thou be the Son of God. Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee concerning, or concerning thee, and thy, their hands, they'll, they'll bear you up, lest that at any time you'll dash your foot against the stone. He says, look, if you're the Son of God, jump off this pinnacle right here, and, and, and when you make that miraculous landing, oh, the people's going to worship you because of the miraculous sign that you just performed for them. Well, what did Jesus tell that bunch that come to him? You know, he fed the 5,000. He got on the ship and left because they were fixing to force him to be king. And they come across the side of the lake looking for him again. Why? Because they wanted that free lunch. They wanted that next meal. They wanted somebody that would give to them physically. And Jesus says, I ain't come to be your physical Lord right now. I will be one day. He said, right now, I want to be your spiritual Lord. You can't depend on this world, y'all. Everything Satan is doing is an illusion. I want you to understand this right here, right now. Everything Satan's doing is an illusion to make you think that you're fulfilling yourself in this world, and this world will sustain you. I mean, I know this from first-hand experience, that you can never make enough money. I'll be the first one to sit here and tell you that I chased it, and I chased it, and I chased it, and it gets to a point where that high does not come. That next sale does not satisfy. That next trip does not please you. Nothing about success from my peers. And, and it's just a hollow, empty, sick feeling when you're chasing all this stuff for, 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 for me to feel better. The only time I ever feel better is, 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 is when I know I'm in God's will 
and I'm living, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm working on a message, and, and it's the highest calling. I'm just going to leave that title with you. Write this down, the highest calling. I don't want everybody to start researching what the highest calling is. We're going to, Easter morning, we're going to find out what the highest calling is. But I want you to understand right here, Satan was telling Jesus, I understand, you're not going to do a miracle to prove who you are, but let's get the miracle to test God. I'm going to tell you right here and right now, quit testing God. Because you're going to get in the way and God's going to put you in a box and He's going to get you out of here and keep you from being hindered. That's, that's Scripture. And it says that He will sacrifice the body to save the soul. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So many of us in here, every single day we tempt God with our attitude. Said, oh, I, I can sin. I can live in sin. And yet I can still be a member of the church. I can still be a member of... of, 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 of uh, I can teach Sunday school. I can do whatever. I can, but I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm, and it's not that God... Y'all, this is what you got to understand. God is giving you the ability to make a decision to live right. This, I think first, it might have been in Second Peter, chapter three. It says you get, we've been given everything for godly living. We've we've been in, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, He gives you everything you need to succeed in life. But your definition of success is perverted by a worldview. You've got to have more popularity. You got to have more wealth. You got to have more material possessions. You, Satan is is he he's sitting there fanning that flame of selfishness. And guess what? It's 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 eating your life. Every person in this room is affected by selfishness. I'm not saying you're selfish people. I'm saying you're affected by selfishness. But you know what the biggest problem is that we have an illusion. That we're doing God's will. When the Antichrist comes, I want you to understand me. When the Antichrist comes, everything's got to be so terrible, so desperate that people will believe what he says. And he'll be coming and, and, and he'll start fulfilling needs. He'll bring food for the hungry. He'll perform miracles that astonish people. All these wonderful things are going to transpire from the Antichrist. But it's still an illusion. And I want you to understand what this... Why did Satan get kicked out of heaven? Anybody here tell me why? Say it again. All right. What was he proud about? He was jealous because God got all of the attention and God got all the worship and Satan didn't get it. And he couldn't handle it because God got it. And again, the devil takes him up into the exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. I don't know how this miracle took place. I don't see how they could get anywhere up far enough. Maybe there's up in outer space. And did God not promise Jesus the kingdom? He said, you'll be king of kings, lord of lords. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess. And, and Satan knew this. He appealed to the things that he knew in, in, in Jesus' human nature now. Understand, Jesus was as much human as you and I are. And he's as much God as God is. He was the one that was married. He married spirit and, 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 and flesh together. But right here he says that he took him up uh, into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of all the world and the glory of them. See, and this is where we get that high, that next kingdom, that next business adventure, that next company, you know, that next job, that next truck, that next car, that next 
boat, four-wheeler, gun, purse. I, I don't know. I mean, but these are the things that the devil is coming to, and he is oh, he is he is on that shoulder, and he is talking in that ear, and he said, "Hey, you need that. You deserve that." You've suffered long enough. You put up with that crazy old woman for 25 years and she ran off and left you. You, you deserve to go butt wild and act. Uh-uh. You know, you worked so hard. You've accomplished so much. You've accumulated. You, you, you've got all that money. You deserve to have all that power and all that, that prestige. You're the people, people ought to be kissing your tail for what all you've done. Excuse me. These are the things that Satan is telling us that I deserve you know what I deserve? I deserve hell. I ought to bust hell wide open, and I ought not be standing here. Right, I ought to be. I ought to be in the pits of hell today for the sin that in, that was in my life. But the precious blood paid the price, and I don't have to. Amen. I don't deserve anything else other than that right there. But you know what? I got. I got mercy. <coughs> oh, when mercy showed up, mm-hmm. God's mercy takes me out. But you know what? His grace that gives me everything that I don't deserve. Right here, He says that you deserve all the kingdoms of this world. You deserve all the glory of this world. He said, only if you will bow down. So the whole motive behind Satan tempting Jesus was to get Him to what? Bow down and worship Him. He didn't care that He was hungry. He didn't care that, 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 that He was trying to get him to test God or if he jumped off and God decided, well, I'm not going to save you. you know. Right here, Satan's motive behind everything is that he could never have the worship that God had. He was jealous. You know what? Satan's not after me. Satan's after Jesus. Satan's battle is with Jesus. I'm just a pawn in the, in the game. But if you and me can realize that the enemy is after us to destroy us to hurt. You imagine this. I'm going to fix that. If if I if 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 I attacked your child, would it hurt you worse if I attacked you or your child? Think about it. I mean, you can beat on me all day long. Big deal. But if you go after one of my children, now that's a different story. Well, what is Jesus? He's the Son of God. How could the Satan, how could the devil, how could the enemy, how could he hurt God most if he discredited His Son, the one He was well pleased in, the one that He he, he loved? Now how can God, how can Satan harm God? When I'm born again, what am I adopted into? I'm a, born, I'm a child of King. I'm a child of God. I have been adopted into the family of God. So when He comes after me, when I fail, what happens? Satan gets his way. He's able to hurt God. Why? Because I'm hurting. So many people in here today, and I just want you to understand, I tried to keep it simple. I tried to keep it quiet. I want you to understand this right here today. Satan could care less whether you succeed or fail. All he's trying to do is hurt God. You know, you think about this, do you ever have your buddy's girlfriend go out with you and make him jealous? She didn't care nothing about you. All she's trying to do is hurt him. You know, Satan don't care a thing about you. And he wants 
All He wants to do is hurt God. But so many of us have got distorted views sitting in here this morning. So many of us in here this morning have distorted views of what's really going on in life.